Welcome to Truth Be Told. This is Dr. Walter Acker. And Dr. Craydock, as always. And Dr. Sarah Quang. Yes, I'm back. <laughs> she forced, the first repeat. She forced her way into this. She did? She did. We, we needed somebody. She said, I'm here. Just wait. Just waiting on me to call her. And I called. I got desperate. Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nah. But no, honestly, uh, Dr. Quang's here because we were having a great discussion. That was it yesterday. Uh, about our topic, which is general dentists going overseas to do uh, different procedures and stuff like that. And, or learning, and, different, or procedures. learning different yeah. procedures and doing different procedures. So I said, you know, Dr. Wayne, why don't you just come back on so we can kind of have this discussion? Because you made some great points, uh, you know, as a specialist and as a general dentist, you could kind of see from both avenues, you know, and I, I guess I, I wasn't able to see that way. So she made some good points. I said, okay, let's you, just come you back. You were closed-minded. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Absolutely. Dr. Aka actually was pretty much telling us that I'm smart. Oh, oh I, didn't, I didn't. I don't think I said that. I actually, I know I didn't say that. <laughs> I'll take it. Right. But anyway, um, let's go ahead and uh, start with our um, topic today, which is general dentists, or actually just dentists any in general, dentist, yeah. any dentist going overseas and uh, doing procedures on, you know, uh, in, in the Dominican Republic or what's other places, Mexico? I've heard Costa uh, Europe, Costa Rica, Europe, Italy, yeah. Middle, East. Uh, Middle yeah. East, right? Africa and, and doing cases on people, not for mission work. Cause I've done that. I went to Kenya and did mission work. I did that with you, Dr. Sure Quang. Uh, we did mission work. We didn't, mm-hmm. we actually ended up paying versus <laughs> receiving we anything. Paid to do we actually paid to do dentistry <laughs> for free. You feel me? So, <laughs> but right. We did. We didn't get anything out of it, that's but a, a high five. Beyond, uh, Yo, but I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I enjoyed myself it so was, much. It was the kids. I, I will. I will say. I now know why I'm not a pediatric dentist. Okay, those, I agree. Those kids were tough for me. It was hard to just my even first get them numbed up. Tears to my eyes. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. You see. So it reminded me what, why I got into this field. Right. You see, and so you come back enriched. I feel like yeah, I felt I really good. I felt I was, you know, I was on cloud nine when I, was I came back. That way for about a good six to eight weeks. Oh, oh nice. wow! I was riding that way for a good five, to six days, <laughs> <laughs> and then then I went back to work. And I said, <laughs> I hate my life again. <laughs> I need to go back to Kenya. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's a difference, right? When when you have people in other countries, they they appreciate it more. I feel like. Exactly. Right. Yeah. They appreciate it more and, and they, they're more cooperative and they don't feel that's entitled. I feel like. Cause their access to care is nothing like what we have. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, Hey, I'm going to dentist. I better be quiet. I expect this to take long or whatever. Right. But I feel like in the U S there's a lot more entitlement. Oh, definitely. Right. Right. Even it's funny cause I work, I actually volunteer once in a while at, uh, and it's funny how I still get that same entitlement with for patients who aren't paying anything. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, come on. You're not paying anything. Sit your ass down with her. Okay. Be quiet. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't say that to them, but I think it. <laughs> you, know? you say it under your breath. <laughs> I do. Oh, multiple times. But, uh, so, so, you know, I have a, I, I know somebody who actually did a, an implant course in another country. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, okay, well, tell me about your implant course. And, uh, they ended up placing 30 implants. In that, uh, in I think it was a week. In a wow. week, thirty yeah. implants in a week, which is I didn't even do that as a resident, and that took me a year <laughs> to do that. So they did thirty <laughs> implants in a week, right? It was That's set impressive. up. They had to pay for that. They went over there. They placed the thirty implants. My problem, okay, as somebody who does implants, is what did you do after that? 
did you just leave the patients? I agree. Right? Did you just say, okay, see ya? Because there's no way you're going to go back and do post-ops. There's no way you're going to make sure that the implants you placed didn't fail. Right? Mm-hmm. So what do they do? I mean, are they, they're not even going to see three-month x-rays after osteointegration, right? Well, you, you can look at an x-ray and not get much out of that. You no, have to I'm look saying, clinically, too. But I'm saying they don't even... No, they don't even them. get that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They don't get any. They just placed the implants and they high-fived each other and left. <laughs> I feel like if you're a dentist that owns your own practice or even a dentist that's an associate and you did um, this type of course, follow-up is needed immediately in order to just kind of measure your success rate to see what's going on. And definitely maybe even a follow-up course or even communicating with your periodontist to see what they look for or things that they see in order to make sure that your patient care remains above average or above standard. Okay. Okay. So you have somebody who went overseas, did the implants or whatever else, right? Because they have extraction. They did. They can do extractions and everything. Um, and you're saying that they need to have someone here in the U.S. that could make sure that they learned what they're supposed to learn. I feel like when you take a course like that, it's not teaching you the overall umbrella of what it takes to place an implant and care for an implant. Placing an implant, for me, I've never done it. I've seen it being done. I've seen great implant placement, and I've also seen it go wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Very quickly. I agree. So I think you need to know the spectrum of, what happens? How do I care for it when it goes good? And how do I care for it when it goes wrong? That's exactly it. They don't get that opportunity because after they place those 30 implants, they go home. So they don't see the patients after that. And that's my biggest problem. That's my biggest concern is how do you know what you did actually worked? What if all your implants failed? And now you have people walking around who are trying to make a living, right? By going to work and everything. They can't go to work because they're in so much pain. And maybe they won't be able to get the pain medication that they need because they can't afford it. Yep. So now what what well, services what, do you really what do? They, what if they didn't fail, but um, they were unrestorable? I mean, these are things that... Yes, that's it. That's, uh, that's a good one. What if they're unrestorable? What if you can't even put a tooth on that? So you place two implants in someone's jaw and they can't even restore one of them. Yeah. Or how about the restorability was already questionable from the beginning? Exactly. See, so that's my biggest problem. And and some, as an endodontist, you have places where you can go and do live root canals on patients like that, right? Do you see that being a problem? Or do, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, surgery, apicos, right? Surgeries on people. Do you see general dentists taking that those courses? And do you think that it's beneficial for them? Because, again, the basic science is not learned most, most of the time. Most GPs don't take those courses anymore. Okay. Because they will immediately move towards implant placement. I see. But in terms of endodontist, um, any endodontist can tell you that most of our patients that come back complaining of discomfort or sometimes they're no they're still symptomatic, it's because the root canals look good and now you are sitting here trying to figure out why two plus two doesn't equal four. And those are the patients that you have to implore all types of all your continuing educational courses, all types of knowledge that you have read, you have learned, that you have tapped into resources in terms of your mentors on the outside, trying to implore all types of resources to try to figure out why this patient is still uncomfortable. You know, I also believe that I think dentistry is the only profession where people can just say, I took a weekend course and I'm going to do what specialists have done 
you know, have taken years to to learn how to do. For example, if you went if you went to your uh, primary care physician, right, your your general doctor, and you're like, hey, I'm having some heart issues, and he was like, okay. Come back next weekend. When I, whenever you come back, I'm going to do open heart surgery on you. What would you say? No, for real. What would you say? Hell to the no. Hell to the no. But people can turn that around and be like, come back next week and I'm going to place all these implants on you. It's still surgery. It's, but for it's some reason, surgery. it's okay in dentistry for people to just say, I'm going to do one weekend and I'm going to be, I'm going to be killing it. And I'm just going to be doing all these implants and, and all these other surgeries. When to me... That's the time we should be like no, and I'm not saying general dentists should not do different procedures. I do. I believe that they should. I think that they should learn from the basics, though, right? I think you should learn basic science first. Learn how healing works. Patient learn management, restorability. Pain. You have to learn all that. You don't just jump to the implant and then think that hey, I'm not going to learn the beginning parts of it because it may be boring. We're not fixing yeah. cars here. I mean, these are. These I mean, are talk to arguments. me. Talk to me, Doctor Craydog, about this. Like. I mean, let's, you. let's let's be honest. Like uh, placing implants is uh, is a money 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 maker, right? And that's the so problem. Every, everyone wants a piece of that, and um, you can take courses in America, uh, but it's a money maker for the people who are throwing the courses. You know, you can place a significantly larger amount of implants in a quicker amount of time somewhere else. Um, but like you said, there's no follow up, so it's kind of like. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't want somebody that operate, to operate on me and place an implant if they just went to this course uh, a week ago, to your, to your point. Well, so then how does a patient know that... They don't. Nope, but no one knows these things. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, I, I know that my primary care physician isn't a cardiologist and shouldn't be doing heart surgery. Absolutely Because not. they don't advertise for that. You they know, right? You'll never see a primary care physician all of a sudden be like, hey, I do open heart surgery, you know, starting tomorrow. There's a problem if that occurs. Right. Yeah. Well, that's because there's also <laughs> uh, a board that says you can't do stuff like that. Well, that well that's the that's the the evening. The the evening out of it is, you know, you can do an implant, but you're also liable um as if you place implants your whole life, you know, you're you're held to the same criteria, right? As a periodontist if it fails. Absolutely. And so uh that's where my whole thing is. It's like yeah, I can I can put a screw in wood, but it doesn't make me a carpenter. You know what I'm saying? Right, like right, I I right, I I've right. seen him. And that's actually place. very difficult. <laughs> I've I've had to like fix some stuff around the house. Yeah. That's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> I I've tried to build stuff, <laughs> and sometimes it's not that I easy. Mean, I mean, I can I can look at YouTube and kind of figure out how to do a lot of things. And right? you know, some some YouTube is a that. new college education. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I will say that I do use YouTube for a lot of stuff. If I got to repair something at home, I, I, I do. I do too. I YouTube the hell out of it. But when it when it doesn't come out looking right, I mean, I'm also not like, oh man, like YouTube messed me up. That was my own choice. You right. know, I could have had somebody professional do it, but I I tried. So if your TV stand doesn't support your 65 inch TV <laughs> and it, it falls and it cracks, you blame youtube or yourself well it depends on where i got it from gotcha okay if i got it from walmart they have really good return rate just keep that receipt i learned that i learned that i learned that from the get-go keep i feel like receipt. it all comes down to limitations explain because even in endodontics we look at certain cases look at certain teeth before you treat it and there are certain rules that we look at not rules but requirements that we look at before we say we're going to do the treatment on this case is it going to be a success rate? I don't want to do anything on anybody that I don't think is going to be a success. And if the patient still elects 
after I explain all the alternative treatment options, everything that I see in terms of findings on this case, and that it's a questionable or poor prognosis, and a patient elects to hold on to the tooth just for a year, then okay, I'm going to go ahead and proceed in some of those instances. However, before I proceed based on what the patient selects, I do have to talk with the GP saying, this is what I see. Only because there are certain things that I may see in terms of a specialist that the restoring doctor may not see. And I get it. And there are certain things that the restoring doctor can see that I may not see. Dr. Crater, talk to me about this, right? Because you do this all the time. When it comes to anything in dentistry, we were taught to basically reverse engineer. You start with the end game in mind, which is the tooth or whatever it may be. uh And then you work backwards. Yes. Right? So technically, a general dentist who restores implants should be better than a surgeon who places implants because they can see the end result, correct? They should be, yeah. So why isn't it that way? Like, I feel like general dentists will say, oh, I restore implants. And then when they go to do the actual implant, they realize that, oh, well, I'm screwing up or this isn't good or I don't, I didn't know this part or this part, right? So, well, be, I mean, because there's a, a compromise, right? Like, you you can have an ideal restorative position, but that may not in line with uh, the things that need, that you need to, to provide support to the implant, i.e. bone, like. You know, I can, uh, in working with specialists, it's easy for me to say, oh, why did they place it right there? Like, that's a horrible spot. Uh, but in reality, you have to be in there and see during the surgery and see, hey, there wasn't a whole lot of bone where I wanted to place it. If we wanted to place it there, we had to do other things, rig augmentation. These are things that, like, if you're not working with somebody who knows how to do those things, it's, it's not going to work out right. And as a GP, I don't, I don't do rig og, you know, um, I know where I want the tooth. But, uh, I have, I'm lying to myself if I think that you can just place it there and it's gonna, and it's gonna succeed. And I think that's a big thing for, uh, GPs failing with implants is they're only looking at it from one way. They're not trained, um, in the, in, in, I mean, everyone knows what type of bone is, is good for implants. Um, but it doesn't mean that you know how to place it in that bone correctly and how to manage the issues that come about that. So it's like, I, I can have the in, in game in, in mind. But if I don't know how to uh, how to get there, uh, there's a problem there too. Okay, you know. And uh, for ridge, what ridge augmentation is for people who are listening, it's basically when you don't have you have a concavity or not enough bone for the implant to not be showing, right? So we actually build up more bone. You can yeah. use your own bone, or you can use a cadaver bone or synthetic bone to build that area up, right? That's what ridge augmentation is. That's what he's saying. But but I mean basically. An implant is going to fail if it's not supported by bone. That's right. Right? That's right. So um, I can make it look really pretty. I can put lipstick on a pig. It can look nice for a while. Uh, but if my my principles aren't sound when I place the implant, it's all going to it's all going to go to crap. Right? You know, and I hate to. Well, so before I was a periodontist, I was a general dentist, and I did you know implants. I placed implants. I. Um, did osteosurgery, crown lengthening. So I, I actually think people should do it. I really do. I think people should learn how to do it so that they can become more um, educated and they yeah. can actually do it properly. But it takes a long time. 
I mean, when I learned, I had to read all the articles that there were about that topic. I had to learn the basic sciences behind it. It was an extra year I took as a general practice, um, or GPR, mm-hmm. general practice residency, right? That kind of slowed it down and said, in order to do this, you have to learn how to do this, 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 and this, right? And I was, my hands were held for a whole year, right? So I gave up a year of maybe income to learn more. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. I don't mind if people go and learn stuff. I just hate the weekend warriors, the ones that think I'm just going to, because it's hot right now, I'm just going to go ahead and learn it real quick and then start doing it on people. And all you're doing is just causing misery. And you basically, to me personally, that's a liability you're, waiting to happen. Not even just a liability, but your success rate is not going to be as high as what it should be. And I mean, what Dr. Cradock, who's one of the best in the game, Oh, you hear that? that? You hear that? <laughs> it feels good to have you somebody. Hear that? Uh, I would never compliment you. And like I'm that. a specialist. I don't compliment I all those GPs. I would, I would never compliment you like that. No, but um, yeah, you're never. You're definitely not coming being back. Being a specialist, <laughs> I worked as a general <laughs> dentist, and as a general dentist, I'm thinking I can do root canals because I love doing root canals. I can do implants because I love doing implants. However, going into specialty training and paying as much as what I did to learn and putting in at a time of effort of what it was to become a master in my field. There's a lot of predisposing factors outside of just looking at the bone, the type of bone or rig augmentation that's present in a patient before they get an implant. Health history. Health history. I know in terms of endodontics, if you're a diabetic patient, you have a higher risk of having a necrotic tooth that's present and a lesion um, before even being diagnosed with that you need a root canal treatment and it happens in less than a year. Right. And if you're, you're same thing for a diabetic, poor healing. Mm-hmm. So even if you are going to get an implant, you're not going to heal as properly. Exactly. And your failure rates are a little higher. Exactly. So you're right. And the, the, the other thing about it is you got to look at it from a realistic point of view. Like if I spend, you know, $13,000, which is what, you know, a typical course in the Dominican Republic costs, and place 30 implants. I'm not coming back to the States and not placing any implants. That's That would be crazy, right? That's stupid business. That's uh, like <laughs> buy, let's, let's buying a new sports car and then I'm never going to drive it. Put, put it in a it garage. In the, right. In the garage. It looks nice, though. It, it does look nice. You know? <laughs> and, and you get a plaque. And keep it clean. <laughs> and yeah, right? Right. You get a plaque, I'm sure, after you're done with this course. <laughs> I'm, and I'm I'm sure like that's the other idea of, of the general dentist. It's like, okay, I want to get into implants. I paid this money. Well, even if I'm comfortable or not, I'm going to just have to place them because uh, I've already invested invested in, in this already. So. Right. You know, it's what's also kind of popping right now is um, in dentistry is sleep apnea. This is where we leave you guys for this week. We know that uh, you don't want to listen to us for about an hour. And that's what happened was this recording went into for about an hour. And let's be honest, no one wants to listen to anybody for an hour. Uh, and the second reason where we're going to leave you for right now is because we got off topic, like we always do, but we got off topic into another good topic, which is sleep apnea, and we'll talk about that next time. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this part, and uh, we'll see you next time, all right? Later. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist, with an S, at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist, with an S, at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.